on this episode of the Cinema Syndicate Podcast. The guys give their marquee picks for their favorite dysfunctional families in movies and TV. Then they discuss the Oscar-winning film Parasite. And then they spin the wheel for a little bit of fun. So, let's go! Cinema Syndicate Podcast, the movie review podcast whose hot take tentacles are slowly but inevitably spreading all over the United States from East Coast to West Coast. So from the West Coast, we got Mr. Preston Pokey Barnes. How's it going tonight, Preston? Right on, fellas. Going pretty well. How are we doing, Matthew? (laughs) Great. And as we move across the country, we got Mr. Joseph Fine. How are you doing? Matthew, you know I love you, baby. (laughs) Thank you. Feelings mutual. And to round it off, we got Mr. Rod Budman. How are you doing, Rod? Doing great. Still budding. Okay. And as always, I'm Matthew Scott. Um, And so here we go. Tonight, we're going to do our review of the movie Parasite that won the Academy Award this past award season or whatever. Uh, But as always, before we get into the reviews, we are going to encourage all our loyal listeners, please go and review our show on iTunes if you really like it and leave us a nice review. It helps us so much to get more subscribers and get more visibility out there so our show can grow. And before we get into the movie review of Parasite, we're going to do our marquee picks. And this week we have done our favorite dysfunctional families in movies and television. To kick us off with these marquee picks, we're going to have Mr. Preston Barnes Go for it. So give us your top three, Preston. All right. Starting off at number three, I'm going to go with the Roy family from Succession. Oh. Um, that's To me, that pick could easily move up to number one after another season because that show is so good, and it's only two seasons long so far. So that's number three. Number two, I'm going to go with the Tenenbaums from the Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> uh, that's just an all-time – favorite Wes Anderson film for me and that family is certainly dysfunctional uh number one this pick might be influenced by the fact that I just finally watched that series the series and um still keep thinking about it so I'm going with the Sopranos the Soprano family (laughs) uh I think there's a lot to say about Soprano family but we're gonna like obviously keep it a little bit short but who do you think and is the most dysfunctional part of that family of the person that if you were a part of that family you would want to strangle but you couldn't actually do it because you're related to him well I mean I guess the obvious choice would be Tony because he I mean if you try to he's so likable obviously as (laughs) like an anti-hero but I mean if you try to step back he obviously does awful things and um but I mean, you know, I, I'm going to go with the one that pissed me off the most. And I guess that's AJ. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't I mean, AJ Dude, just well, sometimes well, pissed me off in the last couple of seasons. Well, he maybe just, this speaks. He's just maybe so this, worthless. Dude, maybe this speaks to like the dysfunction of the family or how hated they can be. But my top two would easily be, uh, what's her name? I've got it even written down here. Uh, Janice, who is the absolute worst. Oh, and I'm then, sorry. I was thinking to- immediate family. 
Okay, and then Tony's mom is just the in season one. Oh, Tony's mom is so unbearable. It's she's so, awful. She makes you just cringe when you're on the TV show. Like I like she's the one person like TV character that I really really wish I could reach into the TV screen and just enter sometimes. But yeah. Janice and the mom, Janice, I, I can't stand for sure. Dude, AJ when, drove me crazy. AJ I, when he goes through that sort of like uh you know like a uh, melodramatic phase and depression phase and then he just sort of snaps out of it when he gets a job is just so predictable and so ridiculous. Yeah. But you really he's the same type of person you just sort of like you hate that he's on the show and you just want to like beat him up through the yeah. screen. Yeah. Right. Also, you, uh, like he played the, he played the same fucking drum beat every time <laughs> he played the drums. And I was just that just kind of irks me big deal bro all right so we're gonna do we're gonna move on to the sopranos joe your top three dysfunctional families in movies and tv all right um good to be with you tonight gentlemen um in my third place now this was a tough marquee picks now <laughs> very a, tough a lot of a lot of uh huge sample sizes they say um number three i'm gonna go with the ripley's from the great outdoors with uh john candy and uh dan Aykroyd classic um family comedy from the 1980s uh, the bat scene for those of you who've seen that movie uh number two i'm gonna go with meet the parents and the fockers and the burn <laughs> jack burns jack talk tie um oh jack talk tie oh yes um God, that movie was so great. Uh, and then my number one pick is going to be the Clearies from Wedding Crashers with, um, you know, Will Ferrell. Uh, uh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, not Will Ferrell. Um, and Christopher yeah. Walken. Christopher yeah, Christopher Walken was, yeah, was uh, Secretary Cleary. And um, yeah, that, that was just a fantastic movie. Can't believe that came out in what, like 2003? Dude, it's got like the sex addict mom. You got Todd. Don't be <laughs> and, Todd. The, and then Todd, and Todd who's like yeah. the, the free your brother. <laughs> yeah. No tummy sticks. <laughs> and then uh, the, don't, the grandmother who tries to shoot uh, Vince Vaughn's character. Remember? She like, comes out with a shotgun. Gun too. Yeah. <laughs> what was the joke that Todd says when like Christopher Walken's? He said, because I, I tried to mention this one time we were talking about it, but he was like, and you know, because of Todd's condition, he's like, "What's my condition, Dad?" And he's like, he "Like he's like, he goes, I'm a ho- I forget. He goes like a homo or some shit like that." The, the grandma he's, says, like, "Okay, he goes, you're a homo." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, ter- no, that, 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 that's a great thing. <laughs> I mean, what a terrible situation to be locked up, and when you like a girl, and then you're stuck with her family, and every single person in that family is kind of a freak, except for I guess the dad. But the dad's so powerful that you're incredibly, incredibly terrified of him. I don't know. I mean, but then again, it's a comedy, so that's what it needs to be. Um, <laughs> all right, Rod, we're going to move on to your top three dysfunctional families. What you got for us, Rod? Um, so for number three, uh, I've got two, so I'll be quick. I'm going to go with, but they actually were kind of functional, but full house. And then my main number three is going to be uh, – the white family from Breaking Bad, and then the birds from Ozark. So, you know, nice. this is a lot of stuff that, that we've reviewed. And then number one dysfunctional family is going to be the Griswolds in, <laughs> any, in any aspect of them. Any Dude, great, film. great number one. <sighs> Rob, what favorite? One? Go ahead. I'm sure there's so many examples that you want to get into, Rod, but what is your favorite Griswold moment if you want to go from vacation or... Christmas vacation. 
cousin Eddie is just, I love him. <laughs> oh, he's stealing the show. Shitter school. Oh, God. <laughs> it's Randy probably Quaid. one of like, the most like quotable moments. Rod, do you ever just say that like in terms of in, when it's not even like pertinent to the conversation? Like if you like have a bad golf shot or something, you could just say like shitter school. There's... I feel like it's, you can use it so many times. You can yeah, use it at music festivals. <laughs> yes. Um, I've gotten very, very, very creative with my usage of it. <laughs> you're just like at Publix and the meat aisle and you don't get what you want. And you're just like fucking shitters full. Everyone around you is like, what? Well, it's also just a great way to like see if people are on the same reference level as you. So you just say shitters full and you kind of want someone to say, <laughs> you look around yeah like randy quaid that's nice <laughs> it, it, it's a good it's a good you know if you're with a bunch of strangers it's a good way of kind of feeling out you know who you're yeah. going to get along with people that, turn at you and ice. look at you like eh, probably not the person that you want to go quarter and talk to i think but that's a good some... rule of thumb in general yeah go yeah. ahead yeah if they don't pick up the christmas vacation reference or just like any like throw out throw out like a little joke you know, throw out a couple of them to see who in the crowd is like really digging it. You're like, okay, I'll, I'll go uh, talk to that person. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's not. He's just yakking up on a bone. <laughs> but here's like the dilemma. Like you're at a party and you say shooter's fool and some guy goes, what the hell is that? And you're like, I can't stand that guy. And all of a sudden that guy comes back 20 minutes later and he has a bunch of drugs that maybe you want to use. The dilemma <laughs> is, do you, do you become friends with that guy? Or do you say, God, this guy could not get my reference. It's a, well, I guess it's, it's a, a high risk, situation. high risk, high <laughs> reward. Because you don't want to talk to this this guy who like clearly does not have the same pop culture sort of like taste that you do. And like the drugs he's going to give you is only going to like exacerbate that same problem. It's sort of like, you don't it's know like, what to do. Damn it, Kevin liked the joke. Fuck. I don't know. Not in the I same really. little you, as they say. <laughs> that could be debated for hours and hours and hours. But what we're going to do is we're going to move on to my picks, and then we'll talk about parasites. So my top three dysfunctional families. I joined Rod, and I've got number three. I've got the Griswolds. Number two, I have the Sopranos. And we already talked about that. Janice and Miss Soprano are the worst. Number one, probably pretty predictable for my taste, is I got the blues from Arrested Development. So the dad's in prison. The mom's like a manipulative al alcoholic. The brother's a magician. The sister's a bum. The brother-in-law's bi-curious. <laughs> and the other brother's so socially inept that's ridiculous. And then to top it all off, you have a son and a niece that struggle with like incestuous fantasies with each other. So it's just all over the place in terms of family and leads to all sorts of confusion. I, I mean, I don't know. There's so many things to talk about with that show, but we don't really need to get into it all. And I, I know Preston, you're a rest development fan, right? Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I thought about putting that as my number one, kind of knew that you were going to do it. So I was just like, I'm, there's so many more. I'm going to, I'm going to try it out. But I mean, yeah, they're like <laughs> the ultimate, ultimate dysfunctional family. It's such a funny show. Every character in its own right is, uh, just outrageous i don't even, i don't think you meant mentioned uh job i said job. brother would be just and yeah but i mean like you could honestly oh, okay, yeah. we could we could talk so much about each that's character true, at least true, at true. least i could i could i could go on and on for like all their favorite scenes or whatever yeah. but it really doesn't matter Bias. the point the point is they they fleshed out these characters to the point where they're all just so so ridiculous and then they like created situations where they all have to interact interact with each other and it's just you know it's just it's it's the first three seasons of that show are fantastic Joe, were you a fan of that show? I can't remember. Uh, no, actually, that's one another one of those where I'm, I'm, I'm. It's on the list type things, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Well, we were talking about it earlier too. Somebody, I thought somebody might do the Costanzas. Oh, that would have been great. But there's only just like three of them. I don't know if it's like a, a, whole, a whole family or whatever. But yeah, no, rest of development. For all the listeners out there, if you haven't watched or li- like really gotten into it, give the first three seasons a go. They're on Netflix or whatever. You can skip four and five. I, I don't really include yeah. those in like the rest of development canon. No. Um, <laughs> okay. So those are the marquee picks. Our top dysfunctional families in movies and TV. We're going to move on to Preston's pick of Parasite, the movie. So this movie recently just won Academy Awards for best original, it won uh, best movie and did it win like best original screenplay or, I think, I or best director? I think at director, screenplay and picture. Okay, so it obviously well acclaimed and well deserved also as well. So the premise basically is that like a young man from a poor, I don't want to call them a con artist family, but they're definitely not a normal family. Um, they're a poor <laughs> family, but they also sort of have these sort of lazy, but also creative con artists manipulative ways about them so i don't want to like paint them resourceful. too much yeah resourceful <laughs> is a great word but uh so this young man gets uh, an opportunity to be an in-home english teacher for a really upper class family in i guess i guess seoul korea is it, I'm, it I'm is so yeah there. yeah so and then the family this family develops like schemes to where they all become employed by this rich family without the rich family knowing their employees are all their true, well, like they're all their true relationships together. So that kind of just sets it off, right? So like we've got this one guy who gets employed and sort of like teaches this daughter English or whatever. And then they all sort of find a way to get involved in this family. Uh, So before we kick it off, so I think that's where obviously the parasite obviously comes from, but there was talk about, uh, there is ways, other ways to interpret it that like, uh, if you want to talk about the poor family being the parasites of the rich family, or the rich family being the parasites of the poor family, or it's sort of a symbiotic parasitic relationship, where they obviously both benefit from each other. But who would you think are the real parasites or the most like sort of parasitic people to blame? Maybe because obviously that has some like, I don't want to say uh, bad connotations, but whatever, there are sort of connotations that go with that word or whatever. But who's the more sympathetic family maybe as well, say in terms of their parasitic, parasitic behavior? Preston, go ahead. Um, in terms of most more sympathetic, I mean, I guess as a viewer watching it, or at least, you know, for me personally, I, I, uh, I think I had more sympathy for the Kim family, um, the more working class family, mainly, probably mainly because you get to know them more. You, you really get to like understand each character. And I, I don't know, the, the Park family to me is like, I mean, they're obviously symbolic of, you know, upper class, um, in a multitude of other, other things but to me they're they're kind of i mean they're just they're a very gullible aloof type family uh At least the aside, aside from the uh the the young boy <laughs> uh the mom certainly is and and I, I think we get to know her probably the most out of that family uh but i mean i i really like i like what you said about it being a, more of a symbiotic relationship because i i don't think like bong jun ho the director is really like He's definitely putting very obvious themes out there, um, although there is some nuance to those themes. But I don't think he's necessarily like it's. It's not like overly judgmental of the of either family. Like I don't think he's like this stupid fucking rich family or this oh, no, like no, no, no. this poor family. Like I think it works well together and. And I think, yeah, maybe it's like, maybe it is more of a parasite from both ends in a way. They, they both absolutely have their pros and cons in terms of how they're sympathetic. Some like uh, the poor family, you, you know, can be more aggressive in their ability to sort of 
elicit, we will say, sort of disdain, right? Because they're sort of the more active family. They're sure. sort of, it, they're taking over in a sense, but you're sort of sympathetic with their situation. But the richer family or whatever is more, their dismissiveness of what could be going on is almost like, in, in some ways, it's offensive. So like sure. they, they, yeah. they sort of lack the introspection to sort of really gain sympathy from the viewer in a sense. So there's, there's like you said, Preston, like there's, it's, there's multiple ways to view it, right? You yeah. just sort of have to attribute different things to each person. Uh, Give and take of sorts. Joe, did you have some thoughts on what, what you thought in terms of sympathies for each family before we move on? Or what do you think? And Rod, obviously, you can give your thoughts as well. Yeah, I think when it comes to, you know, the sympathetic angle, the, the kind of down and out family, when they left the second parasite family, they left the lady to die. You know, she like fell down <laughs> the stairs and whatnot. That, that was pretty rough. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, that was kind of one strike in their book. So, you know, I'm kind of leaning that way, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's a toss up. what do you think, Rod, in terms of when you were watching this movie for the third time or whatever, and, uh, and you watched it, you saw, you, who did you sort of feel like when, when you watched it was like, you were sad that something happened to him. It maybe is a better way to put it. Like which one sort of tugged at your heartstrings because bad things happened to both families, which bad things sort of resonated more for you? Um, I mean, I, I kind of felt most for the original housekeeper family. Oh, a <laughs> nice little twist, right? Sure. So in, in a way, right, because she's hiding her, her husband, who we don't know his past too much, but he is sort of like hiding from loan sharks, right? Which, again, right. that's, he's supposed to, in a way, he probably got himself in trouble, but he's also may, might be the victim of that situation as well. So he probably needed some help and no one really offered it to him. And she was doing the best she could to sort of get him out of harm's way. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I don't really feel like she had done anything wrong. Um, oh no, she didn't. You're, you're absolutely I mean, did right. I miss, I may have missed out on something, but. Well, I guess the only thing you could say that she did wrong was something we learned after the fact, she definitely didn't do anything wrong to, get her fired in a sense that was all done by the Kim family sort of manipulating the situation, finding out she was allergic to peach dust the and peaches. sort of make and framing it that she had tuberculosis. But like we did learn. So there's the, it, what is cool about this movie is there's no one that's blameless, right? She was still mooching off of this other family as well. Right. Just like they were sort of probably abusing her labor in a sense. Um, so everyone, there is no one that's completely blameless. The only people that are sort of kind of blameless are the sort of the younger kids, not the kids in the Kim family, because they're still devious and machinations sort of thing. Yeah. But the younger kids really, we don't get to know them that well, but they're sort of completely naive and innocent. So in some ways, that's what, if you want to almost have sympathy for like maybe the family, like it's because they have the youngest kids. And I, I, don't, I, I don't think they're doing necessarily anything wrong, but like sometimes you just might think that they sort of grew up in this situation and they don't think they're, doing it that's just sort of what they grew up in and then maybe they can't know any better in a sense you're talking about the kim family no I'm talking I, mean, about I, mean, the, the, I mean the park the, family, the park family right so like yeah. they don't really necessarily they just think oh this is my place and this is their place i'm actually being nice by giving them overtime i'm not ruining their day by saying they've got to come work for me at a you know kind of thing it's, yeah, it's exactly. something they think of it as i'm giving them money they're doing work well, they, and, and i yeah, and I think it's just like it's he's giving you a, he's giving the viewer like a, a fairly realistic look at uh, you know a working class versus a, a very rich family in, in Seoul. So 
I, I mean, I think it, it might just be that. But it, I mean, it's an interesting question for sure. And Preston, maybe if you could just provide us a little more background, seeing as how you've spent some time in, uh, was it in Busan? Yes, it was in Busan. Spent but, some time in Seoul, but lived in Busan. So, but I mean, I'm yeah. sure I, I don't want to make generalizations, but I imagine that across the country, the uh, socioeconomic levels of people is probably similar across the country. It, I mean, what is it like over there? Like, uh, um, I mean, there definitely is in, in Seoul and Busan, which are like the those are the two largest cities. Seoul by quite a bit but there definitely is a an income gap i mean it's it's not as glaring as as you know probably here and, and some other countries but it's definitely like there is an uh, an underbelly of of people maybe maybe not necessarily living in like semi-basements but not living in like uh you know these these nice little suburbs or or like nice lofty apartments so well, i mean yeah that, go ahead man the thing about um so obviously i've not spent too much time i've not spent any time in korea sorry i should say not too much time but from what i've read and what we've experienced with having korean people come to our schools when we were in high school is that there is and also just with uh this director's sort of writing history is there is sort of a a, a big focus on class system and the korean culture yeah. or whatever so when so when some kids or some families moved to our neighborhood when we were in high school whatever they're from Hyundai, which is korea only executives could live in certain neighborhoods and then some non-executives have to live in, live in other neighborhoods i also know when we uh okay. when we talked about so uh bong joon ho whatever he directed snowpiercer that's a very 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 class struck i mean it's almost blunt yeah. you in the head with it type thing and this is another example in terms of how class structure affects not just what they do but how they sort of think and how they produce art so and also i mean even gangnam style i did had no i think most people when they listened to it in the united states had no idea what the hell that was about but that was about sort of class structure in korea because gangnam is some super high-end neighborhood yeah and he's sort of being critical about how they're like frivolous and being sort of dismissive towards people whatever yeah but gangnam so, style is like a, style. one of the richer suburbs it's where like a lot of people go as like to get plastic surgery and it's a very uh, ritzy area of Seoul but like yeah I mean what you're saying is is true Matthew there definitely are class structures not as like defined as you know like India or something but within yeah. Korea in the sense that like you know there are five huge companies that run Korea essentially and everyone wants is and not everyone but like a lot of families aspire to be working for these companies and that's why they have hold so much importance on like these standardized tests that happen, you know, when you're in high school or right before you in the because you all, you have to get to certain colleges to get to these these to have these jobs. And I think in Korean society, the wealthier you are, the more like prestige like you are influential, of course, but you're also like honored somewhat somewhat in this society. That isn't to say like they don't care and love everyone else because like I said, uh, you know, they, they definitely take care of, of everyone and their government does at least. And it's more of like a community based country, but there definitely are structures. I mean, I know the school that we taught at, uh, my, my wife and I, it was very, very prestigious, like Hagwon is what they called it. And it was basically like very rich kids showing up every day. And you definitely, when you went around the town, right around the city, you could see differences from neighborhood to neighborhood. 
<laughs> All right, so we'll just move on to another set. Unless Joe, you got something to say about this, or you want to? Yeah, I was going to ask Preston. It, it seemed to me when you know the kid is sleeping out in his teepee, you know, and out in the rain, and at the same time, um, <clears throat> the family is getting flooded out of their basement apartment. And I was wondering if it was very common for people to have yards and things like that in Seoul, you know, and it seemed like they were, you know, that was kind of a commentary on like, they're so rich that they can have this huge yard and trees and stuff like that. Yeah, for, the for, sh- for sure. That is, that was not common. I mean, that it is a, it's, it's a small country and there's so many, there are a lot of people and they build up. I mean, you don't see yards uh, hardly ever. And I, I would say that 100% was like a juxtaposition that whole scene for sure i mean they're in their cozy like i think that's the scene where they're having sex and and then you've got the kim family basically in a deluge in their in their basement home i mean well i I think i think there's a a couple of contrasts to make in terms of their home so that big window that's in the the park family's house right that overlooks the yard it's totally free unencumbered right the the, the basement little window when you start start the film and that uh the kim family's looking out of it it's got like tons of stuff like closing in on it and there's also like was it like uh, uh bug bug repellent or whatever coming in and they just uh, let it kind yeah. of come in kind of thing oh, yeah. and then there's also <laughs> like so yeah so the kim's uh, the kim's outlook on things is also there's tons of like clothes wires and stuff like that and other wires so it's almost like a spider web sort of catching them in terms of they can't yeah. escape this sort of poor lifestyle, whereas the Park family has this wit, wide open window that's unencumbered and free. You can see everything. They've got so many opportunities in terms of symbolism. So yeah, I think you're right about that, Joe, in terms of, I think uh, I think it's just doing the basic math in terms of the size of the country versus the population is that, what do you want to say, private property is probably at a premium. And so like, it, I yeah. think, I think a huge percentage of South Korea or the Korean peninsula is mountainous. So I don't think a lot of it's, it yeah. is Yeah, It's terrible. like 75% mountains. Yeah. So I bet that, you know, flat land is at a premium in the Koreas. Yeah. Yes. Most people live in really, really nice lofts. And I mean, there are homes and people do have houses like that and they're very, very rich. <laughs> All right. So let's, um, let's move on to the actual like plot maybe of the movie. And let's just talk about just in terms of uh, what did, the, I was going to talk about how Mr. Kim talks specifically about sort of having a plan a few times. There's two parts of dialogue where he talks about when his yeah, son goes off to get sort of a, when he goes to the job interview to sort of be the tutor for the girl, he talks about, oh, he's got a plan. We're going to be blah, 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 rich. And then when things sort of sort of crash down on them, when that huge monsoon happens, whatever, floods their, floods their house, and they're also sort of just sort of struggling to know what's coming next. He also, he sort of develops this maybe sort of pessimistic and deterministic attitude of saying you should never have a plan because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because if you have a plan there's so many external forces out there that's just going to shit on you that doesn't matter what your plan is it's never going to come to fruition so i was going to ask you we never really get into what their end game is was their end game just to sort of be there or did they have something like bigger and then when it sort of goes away is that when like he becomes a bit more pessimistic or, or what do y'all think the actual end game of this family was once they started working for him? Well, I think the, well, the nature of the parasite is that they kill the host. Oh yeah. So, so you thought they were like, because Joe, I wanted to get into this a little bit because it was maybe a plot point that like kind of got dismissed or maybe they had a plan for it. They got cut out, but in order to get the initial job, 
the Kevin has to use his sister's like ability to forge documents, right? To like right, yeah. for, forge a resume. And that never came up again because, but maybe it was that like they were going to like the plan or the initial script was they were going to forge like new identities. But yeah, go ahead. So do you think that what the, that was the real plan is that they were going to just set, like completely sever them from existence and then just take over? Well, I don't think that that was probably their, you know, end all be all goal i just think that by their very nature of slowly taking over this family that like their malicious influence their malign but you know uh malignant influence on (laughs) this this familiar familial body uh would eventually kill it um i I think that as soon as they you know metastasized throughout the body (laughs) like they slowly took over all the, the the service positions of the family um, you know, I think that it's, you are not talking about a tumor, right? <laughs> it's not a tumor. Um, but no, I, I, and you know, as you were saying earlier, um, Matthew, the best laid plans of mice and men oft gang a glay. Um, and Mike Tyson said it a, a different way. He said, you know, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so no, I, I was just curious what you guys thought because it really isn't articulated. But what did you think these yeah. were? They sort of ambitious in terms of their end game, or did you think they were sort of local con artists that kind of got caught too big in a web that they didn't know it kind of they could handle? <laughs> uh, I don't know if they're necessarily con artists. I mean, like certainly what they're doing is could be described as such. But I, I mean, I think the way I saw it is it kind of, especially the way like they were acting the way the character like facial expressions and how it kind of went from one idea to the next is that they didn't really have a plan necessarily like and and very much in in the spirit of mr kim like there never really was a plan for any of them aside (laughs) from like getting getting there getting money as as best they can so that they can like get to the next plan i mean i think the only thing they kind of talked about somewhat seriously uh, was Kevin saying, you know, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna marry the girl and then you know like we'll we'll be in essentially but y'all all have to pretend like you're still the same people and I've I've got to bring on like two fake parents. You know like, yeah, that yeah. was that was kind of a like maybe they're joking but maybe they weren't like I think that was maybe the only next step they really had. That was sort of an interesting thing because it almost said that they were almost committed to keeping the scam up. And also it would have become an even bigger sort of Ponzi scheme to sort of keep going, right? They would have included more people on their (laughs) their scam. It would just keep on growing and growing. And like what Joe said, metastasizing just kept on becoming a bigger and bigger tumor. But Rob, what what did you think their ultimate end game was? Did you see any plots or like in terms of did you – uh, did you think they were like aiming to do something? Do you think they were going to take over? Or do you think they were sort of just completely and totally sort of shooting by the hip? I think they definitely had a plan um, to kind of just take over those folks' lives. How how they would do it, though? Did you think they were trying to kill them? Or maybe they would just sort of like, just sort of manipulate them into sort of being in, in control? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I think that they... I think they definitely had the capability to to kill them in my in my mind, just based on some of their actions. I mean, the poor maid could have died from the peach dust, for all we know. You know? <laughs> that is true. And, well, that's actually a really good point. Maybe do you think that they were taking like sort of health considerations to that, or do you think it was just sort of 
uh, we want this job. We want our family in this. We don't care if she winds up dying. But like, do you, does that really speak Are to their character? Saying, do I think that the like girl knew the appropriate amount to like harm her and not kill her? No. Yeah, and also, do you think they cared if, if anything actually happened in a sense? Do you think they were, if she died, it almost would have been, like we said, like, uh, what's his name? The dude in Rocky Four. if he dies, he dies kind of thing, just completely ambivalent to what happened. Like, or uh, do you think they actually had still a, a remnant of sort of compassion towards people? I, I didn't find, I didn't <laughs> them to have very much compassion towards anyone, to be honest, except themselves. So, yeah, so they were completely selfish in terms of, do you, but they, I still think they all sort of loved each other as a family, but it was sort of a all for one, one for all kind of situation. Yeah, where, I mean, like the scene where the guys, and I didn't mean to interrupt if I did, no. but the scene where the guys, I mean, obviously it'd be very annoying to have someone like pissing outside your house. <laughs> and, and I'm assuming it's happened more I than see. once. Yeah, obviously, because they did it twice in the film. It was like your turn to take I mean, control. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's back. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean... I wouldn't go dump boiling water on someone who, <laughs> you know, I have people piss outside of my house at least once a day, so. And, and Rob's like, all I do is shoot BBs at him. Um, <laughs> air, airsoft gun. Airsoft gun. Urine filled water balloons, that kind of thing. S speaking of Royal Tenenbaums, we just talked about uh, earlier, so yeah, nice little nice way to tie it all together there so joe do you have one little thing on that before we move on or you want to move on to one last thing before we spin the wheel well i was gonna ask i kind of have this gripe with movies where you know you have this family down on their luck or whatever and they all of a sudden have these superhuman powers that they haven't turned into capital you know what i mean like she's some world-class document forger yeah how is she not making people passports or, you know what I'm saying? Like how have they allowed themselves to like yeah. get in this shithole if they're all so good and like, and so like con like savvy and con wise and shit anyway. Yeah. No, I, I think the idea was that they were all sort of lazy. At least the, yeah, the kids I get you. were. Yeah, yeah. I think the kids were lazy. I don't, I don't know how to explain the, the father not having so much work because he, he did, he was like a good driver, right? Because he did know his way around <laughs> what the fuck and then he like and then it like the guy even complimented me said man you really know the streets and he said anything below the 38th parallel right so he was an experienced like serviceman tradesman in that situation um, no he was just way, bullshit yeah. i thought right oh do you think it was full of bullshit in terms oh of yeah they were all skills? just they were all just bullshit and just to like be just to ingratiate themselves i know i know yeah. they went to the mercedes dealership to learn the cars but i just figured yeah. that like he didn't know like the new like sort of technology i just figured he'd no, still been man. a driver but or do you think that whole situation was full shit no because because well, you know, like, in, the, the beginning you know the, uh the brother was talking up his sister's skills like she was this you know highly sought after tutor and shit when she really wasn't you know what i mean like oh they were yeah all no i know i know each other up yeah okay i know i know that one was fair I, I thought this guy could still drive or like still do how to you know i didn't know they were able to pull it off but i don't yeah. think he was fucking mario andretti or <laughs> the housekeeper said family of charlatans <laughs> yeah, yeah. What she do you did. think, Rod? Rod, how many of them were fake? I mean, obviously the the one Kevin could speak English and he could tutor English, so he was the one legit, but he didn't have like a classical education, which is why they had to sort of forge his resume. But he still knew how to do it. the The one girl was totally full of shit. She was not a psychologist; just made stuff up on the fly. But did you think the dad was full of shit too, in terms of driving? Uh, I mean, yeah. 
I mean, A, it's not that hard to drive. B, oh, I know, but his only experience, I think, had been like valet driving, which is much different than being. Ah, uh, that's probably that we true. Know, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I did have the same gripe, though, Joe, in terms of these clearly were people that knew how to get things done <laughs> in a sense, right? Like they knew how to yeah. manipulate people, they knew how to like do things but they were sort of stuck in this squalor situation and you wonder how they got there. Was it because that they had ruined all the opportunities they had by being lazy or doing something illegal or did they just get there because they were kind of lazy? They just needed a new or, host, or I guess. Is it, or was it just, like you said, uh, maybe some type of like criticism on the class system? Uh, the, the, that, that's kind of the thing that I don't understand because I mean, they're clearly not lazy. I mean, in one of the opening scenes and y'all, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but, I don't know if that, you know, the scene where they're folding pizza boxes and it's like yeah. smoke. What, what is the smoke coming from? Like that's yeah, just like a terminator. It was pesticide. They were going like pesticide in the whole like block. But they wasn't like someone on purpose was trying to. No, like, no, no. They no, just no, had no. their window open. You know, it's like the mos- they, they spray for mosquitoes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it wasn't well, necessarily for them because remember he was like, leave the window open so we can get the free extermination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like everyone had their windows open. Yeah, we're doing yeah. community pesticide. It was like everyone close your windows unless you want to breathe in harmful toxins yeah. well they and all just and they were like in there and like get up and leave why and they did just, yeah like, <laughs> they did a cost benefit analysis and they're like oh man we've got too many fucking bugs just i think i think that's kind of symbolic in the fact that like, they are i mean that's like our first indication like shit they're gonna fold these boxes while they get blasted by pesticide like <laughs> well, that, they that, are clearly uh like at the end of the rope um, yeah like, like if you look back at it like that's like seems like our first inkling or like idea of like maybe they're gonna go to the all costs to uh, get ahead. Yeah, uh, but I think this is a fair question to ask because I do have the story. I do have a question on this in terms of uh, the wheel, whatever. But I think it's a fair question that we we didn't get a total backstory in terms of how they got to the end of their rope. If you want to say that, Preston. So yeah, maybe they were at the end of the rope. They live in a semi basement in the. But we don't really know how. How the only the only thing we like in terms we got there was that it's just it's maybe a class oppression is the only thing maybe we sort of get we don't actually understand how they were there yeah. to begin with. Damn bourgeoisie. <laughs> back, back back to that little point I was making um, was that no I don't think that they were lazy by any means because they continued to fold boxes while getting sprayed with raid and. <laughs> So that's what kind of questions me. I think what you're saying, Matthew, along the lines of it being more of like focusing on the class oppression is what the focus does, not so much that they were lazy, because clearly they're not lazy. But well, there yeah, is no yeah. backstory on why they got there. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe lazy is like a strong word, but in terms of some people can be content in the situation they're in and don't want to sort of improve it until maybe they have an opportunity that's thrust on them. Laziness may be in the sense that like they're not, they weren't out there trying to sort of create opportunities for themselves. If that makes sense. Like there's a diff- like, I don't want to say like, Oh man, they sit around and like smoke pot and don't do anything all day, but it's more like if they're in a bad situation, you might want to go sort of create opportunities rather than just sort of sit and fold boxes in a way. No, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. I'm just saying there's, I don't, maybe lazy, like I said, lazy is the right word, but like in terms of were they waiting for an opportunity or did they think they could get one themselves? Right. I I don't know. Like we don't really know. Maybe I'm just being overly critical. I I think the opportunity presented itself. And to be honest, I think the daughter was probably the most like street smart, yeah, kind of the ringleader of the family. Maybe I'm wrong. Definitely the kids. 
that that, that was sure. my thoughts. Yep. I think That's the mom was least. The daughter was the most impressive in terms of being able to think on her feet for sure. All right, so that's going to wrap it up, I guess, unless you guys have some finishing thoughts on, like, in terms of, do you guys want to talk, we should talk about the ending maybe a little bit, or yeah, do y'all? one of the best foreign films I've seen. <laughs> I, I mean, we, there's so, I mean, we have to talk about the ending, and just, like, I think a pivotal scene, I, I wanted to bring this up, was, um, because, like, the first part of the movie, to me, oh. is, what, can you hear me? No, no, no. I was. I, I did have a final question. If you guys want, like, just one little prompt, I'll tell you. And it has to do with the ending. Unless you want to really ask it, press go for it. Well, I, well, I just wanted. I mean, I can. This leads up to the ending. Okay. I, I just wanted to bring up, like, like how the the film is is very much like has these obvious tones to it, and like the beginning to me, it's basically a comedy. I mean, it's very funny at times, and how like when it gets to that peak moment at the dinner table scene, essentially when they've they've all infiltrated successfully into the to park family and they're just getting wasted. And yeah. And like, and you know, the music's kind of playful and you're just kind of sitting there and you get that feeling like something's about to happen. And of course yeah. that's, that's when everything like that, that moment of celebration just turns on a dime and the movie basically takes like a very emotional and tonal turn from uh, kind of uh, this comedy, like funny, like crime situation. <laughs> into like all right this is this is, might get a little bit scarier like a little terrifying here for a little bit and that's when well, the, the housekeeper kind of comes back you know re-enters the film well that's that's kind of what i was getting at in terms of asking if they had an actual plan because it almost feels like in that moment you were talking about preston where they, they were sort of almost celebrating we've done it it almost feels yeah. like that was their end game okay we've got free access to a house for a night you know like that was their, but i was wondering if there was something deeper than that but as far as the ending is concerned um, a, a pretty common phrase in terms of literary and film criticism is, in terms of writing it, is don't give characters what they want, give them what they deserve. Okay, so if you're thinking about in a writing situation in terms of, did these characters, in your opinion, get what they deserved? Or did, was there almost too much justice in some sense? I feel like there was, there's plenty to talk about in terms of some characters I feel like got exactly what they needed to get in terms of how they behaved and they got sort of a just reward or not just reward, uh, you know, punishment, but some didn't. What, what do you think, Preston? Um, I mean, I think that's a great question for one. Uh, I guess, you know, that's something I kind of go back and forth. I know as a viewer, like when Mr. Uh, you know, stabs Mr. Park, I was like, no, <laughs> because I did have some sympathy for that family and the fact that, I just enjoyed the, all those characters and I thought they were very likable even as they were, you know, charlatans, so to speak. But <laughs> I thought, uh, yeah, I mean, I, like that moment for me, I was like, damn, I wish that hadn't happened. But I mean, also like it does kind of make sense with his, like Mr. Kim's character and his progression from, you know, kind of being very excited, like happy to, to be doing what he was doing. And then also like, so sick of the ridicule, so sick of not being able to provide in any way. And he kind of just lost it. I mean, but you can also see on his face too. He's kind of like, fuck, I can't believe I just did that. Like, like I blacked out. So like, I, I, like that to me, like I struggle with that. As far as like some of the other characters, uh, you know, I mean, you, I guess you feel sad kind of for the, the very gullible mom. I mean, <laughs> but you know, like this, this song was going to be fine. It's not yeah. stabbed, but I, you know, that's a tough question. I, I mean, I thought the ending in itself was very, uh, I mean, oddly cathartic and, and very surprising and kind of just like, it just, everything happened so fast and it really like left a mark. 
Uh, Rod, do you have something to say? Joe, what, what do you think about the characters in terms of when you were thinking how this was going to end? Did you, were you surprised and you were sort of almost felt this is how it should have happened? Or were you saying, no, it should have ended some way differently? The whole German family that moves into the house and is whole, like, unaware of all the shit that went down? You know, <laughs> I don't know. That's, <clears throat> that it, does not surprise me one bit, by the way. <laughs> and I can tell you that from living in Korea. What well, doesn't surprise they, you about it? Well, they, I just know that, like, whereas other Korean buyers would have known, everyone in Korea would have known what happened at that house, which obviously <laughs> became, like, it became a news thing. No, like, right. Yeah. Everyone in Korea would know about it, but they would be, do a great job at keeping it as insular as possible. And, like, a, like that house is perfect for a foreign family from Europe to come in and be like, <laughs> you know, like they would, ne- they would never tell them what happened. But yeah, but Rod, did you think, what'd you think? Did you think that Mr. Kim got what he deserved? He basically started off being relegated to sort of a basement apartment. And in a way he got relegated to being without his family and in a shittier basement. Like, I, I mean, did, did, did he deserve that? Or, or we didn't want to talk about the other parts of the family, like uh, the kids Did he deserved to almost have this like, delusional thing happened to him we had brain surgery and he couldn't stop laughing like what, what do you think pass <laughs> okay i mean no, I, I, it's a tough question it really I, is because uh, the, the, the fact that mr kim murdered someone like obviously like you would go to prison and then but he but he happens to like there's that that fun twist you know like all right he's just going to go back to the an even deeper basement now yeah so, I mean, well, I do think I think I do think that the the way that the story is constructed in the sense that everyone sort of has some culpability on their hands for what happened makes it the a harder question. If it was so black and white, it wouldn't have been a right. good movie. But since it's so ambiguous and I shouldn't say ambiguous, but since there's so many different sides to the story, it makes it a more difficult question to answer. So, so there's no right or wrong way to put it. But yeah. but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. If you're satisfied with the ending, though, I didn't. I don't feel like anyone got what they didn't deserve in a sense. But it still is a question, sort of worth asking in terms of. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. So that's just, it was just one way to kind of put it in terms of, I think that's always a question people should ask when they watch a film, when they get done with a TV series, when they read a book, do you think they got what they deserve? Because that's usually what people feel the most cathartic about, even though they might not be thinking it. You don't really want to give the characters always what they want. So what we're going to do now is uh, we kind of like got our final thoughts on the ending and what we thought about the characters in terms of what they deserved and if they deserved or if they got what they deserved in terms of dying or going to prison or whatever, whatever. We're going to move on to the wheel now. We're going to read the categories and then we're going to spin it, obviously, and see what happens next. So real question number one, what happens in the bunker stays in the bunker. Number two, adaptation. Number three, distinct old man smell number four cut the tension with a fart number five fuck yo couch number six (laughs) give us the backstory seven whammy okay sherlock number nine driver made english tutor babysitter 10 respin so we're gonna spin the wheel and see (laughs) what question we get i'm kind of i don't have a usually i have a favorite i don't really have a true favorite here so, so this one's kind of one we always kind of do. So adaptation, I think it's going to be inevitable that Hollywood, once this sort of, you know, gets a few years down the line or whatever, they're going to, going to adapt this story for a U.S. audience. Who would you like to see direct it? And just pick one person to sort of star in one role. I'm not trying to make you cast the whole damn film, but sort of just, you don't even have to answer the director question because I know that can be sort of tough, but just sort of maybe give us an idea of how you would like to see it. Would you like to see it more as a comedy? Would you like to see it more as a darker movie? 
go ahead, Preston, and then can maybe throw some names out there. I would honestly just like to see it how, how it was. <laughs> it's, it's got a perfect blend of so many different like genres in a way. And it's just, I, I mean, yeah, I think just keep it like it is. Um, as far as like, oh gosh, I mean, director, I'd have to think about that one. That, that could be. I know it could be tough to be tough, on the spot. But, it's tough to put people on the spot. I know. Yeah. I mean, uh, characters, you know, I, I feel like with Mr. Kim, because the first part of the film, or like first half, he, I mean, he's so funny before he kind of transitions into, I mean, like survival mode essentially, but, and he gets, you know, it starts being just full of despair. I think like you'd want someone who can kind of be funny and also be dramatic at the same time. And there are those actors, uh, you know, whether it's, I mean, like, whether it's like a Ben Stiller or like a, yeah. or like a, uh, even like an Adam Sandler or Will Ferrell or a Jim Carrey or something, you know, <laughs> like somebody who can, uh, Jeff Daniels is really yeah, good. Jim at Carrey could get real dark with it. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, I think somebody being, I mean, cause to me that the, the tuber tuberculosis scene with him is so funny. And when like he pours the Tabasco sauce on the uh, tissue and he looks, <laughs> yeah, back, yeah, he look, he looks yeah. back at the mom in the face he does where he's just like, you're like, oh, can you Are believe you it? Shitting it's, me. it's, it's yeah. definitely true. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. And I just could see a lot of like comedian type actors doing that. Oh yeah, absolutely. what do you think, Joe or, or Rod? Do you have uh, any strong opinions on this? Uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 uh it's a good question um maybe somebody like uh like i said jim carrey kind of like a cable guy a jim, uh, did you hear me a cable guy as jim carrey no, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um or you know like a, a matthew broderick you know like he was in the <laughs> guy. um something like that maybe the yeah. cable guy fan. What do you think? Well, I'm Rob? saying like those two guys, like how they played off each other in the cable guy would be like a very I think, awkward. I think he's, sub he's subconsciously channeling that like little Ben Stiller scene where he's like, I think they were Asian. They were right. talking. Asian. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ben Stiller's in that movie. I know it's like that they cut back to the courtroom scenes every time, and like it's like the audio from like him like trying, you know, like from the night he killed his parents. But Ben Stiller's so funny as like the guy like the playing the twins who's like being accused of killing his parents, and they do the little I think he was Asian thing. And like there's one scene where like he takes off his glasses and does that thing where like throws them on, and he does like like classic almost like Ben Stiller like frustrated. Yeah. Face. But dude, I, 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 that's so, so funny to me. I love the cable guy, to be honest, but I'm sorry for getting on Go the back and rewatch that. I'm going to, I'm going to edit my whole cable guy random shit out. <laughs> uh, but Rod, what did, what did you think? Do you think you could recast it or do you have any thoughts on that? The, the, this is one where I actually normally wear a blank for directors and also blank on actors, to <laughs> be honest. I actually think that Jordan Peele would be a very good yeah. actor in this. Because I, I wanted to yeah. say this had a lot of traces of us. Us and Get yeah. Out. This is very, very much. much. Of, there's a. Uh, I, I know what your your genre is, Pokey. That's, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. Not enough white people died. <laughs> it's. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think stylistically speaking, that's a very good uh, choice there, 
And I really just wanted to like, I thought Danny McBride could play like a, like one of those, the dad, like Mr. Kim for some reason, like it could make it really, really, really funny. Cause he could just like, when you stick Danny McBride in like those situations where he's like trying to sort of like, he's like boxed in, he just gets really, really (laughs) tense. Especially when he has a family and he's like, come on, family. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did, Did we cut you off, Rod? I'm sorry. Okay. All right. We're going to spin it one more time or a few more times. I'm sorry. That was, that was a decent question. Six. Hold on. Scroll down. Six. All right. We kind of already talked about this, but give us the backstory. Would more backstory on each character and family have changed things for you? And if so, what do you think each family back, each family's backstory is? Etc. Would have been better if we'd have known if uh, the Park family was born into money or if they earned it themselves. And would have been better if we maybe learned that the Kim family was maybe caused almost their own sense of you know despair. What What do you think, Preston? Because it never uh, is understood. So I I struggle with this as well. Like I because I feel like well, obviously this would make the film longer, but I I just think. I mean, there's a reason uh, Bong Joon-ho didn't go in so in depth in a lot of these reasons. Yeah. I think I think it takes away from the basic like themes and you know, symbolism, like commentary of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But I I do think like maybe you know, like for me, I'm I'm just very curious about the housekeeper and <laughs> her her husband. Like I just wanted to know a little bit more about them. But I mean, I think I think as he presents each family the Kim family and the Park family, I, to me, I, I don't, I say don't change it. Like, I, yes, as a person, like a curious person, I'll, I'd love to be like, hey, wh- like, what were you thinking there? Like, what, do you have any yeah. ideas? And stuff, you know, but not with, not for the film. I think it's, it's great as it is. Rod, are you, are you trying to uh, jump in? Yeah, kind of. I mean, go I'm hard. Yeah, go wanna, for it. No, I mean, Preston, were you done? Yeah, man. Uh, no, I did have one quick question that kind of, uh, about the housekeeper's husband in that dialogue is there not a part but right before the uh you know the debt collectors who are after him something about north yeah. korea that said is he a defector from north korea they uh, say they say north korea in that dialogue well he does there is that moment where they've kind of got the the kim family basically tied up and she starts uh speaking like a North Korean newscaster, basically. You remember in the, the, hus- the husband's like, you, you do such a great North Korean newscaster. <laughs> I think they're from North Korea. And y'all know, y'all know, um, y'all know Rod likes the imagination aspect <laughs> of the movie. So I, I love it when they leave it. And yeah, that's now, that's what I'm going with. They're, the housekeeper is from North Korea. The housekeeper. You think she is, or maybe the uh, the husband, husband is from is. North Korea, and then um, I think that the well, the Parks are they the wealthy family? Yeah, yeah. I think the Parks were born into it, okay. and then I think that the other family, who I'm blanking on, Kims. I think the Kims are uh, they've got an interesting story that I'm still concocting. Yeah, still trying to figure out. Joe, Joe. Maybe there'll be a prequel. Do you think there 
do you would it have made the movie better for you to have a backstory or do you think it's actually just better just to leave it i don't want to say leave it to our imaginations but just sort of make us not think about it so well i i kind of agree with press yeah. in the sense that you know with sticking with the theme of parasite and how they were slowly taking over you know like a, a family that you you really didn't need to know the, the backstory. You don't know the backstory of any disease that you get or like it's <laughs> hard for you to pinpoint where you contract a disease. Um, so like, it, it's like they, they were, you know, like where, where do you yeah. pick up a disease? Like in a dirty basement somewhere and they come out and like slowly take over a nice family. Like you wouldn't, you don't really need to know how they got down there because that's like inherent of a parasite. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, your interpretation of this is like so, so bleak, but that's fine. <laughs> a lot of dark, dark guy. Yeah. yeah, where do you, I mean, yeah, they're just a parasite that you get from a dirty base <laughs> without any type of human soul or backstory whatsoever. Who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> exactly. All right, we'll, we'll spend it one more time and then we'll give our ratings on it. Uh, I couldn't have scripted that any better. Okay. <laughs> Distinct old man smell. So the idea of hygiene and smell is used in this movie to create sort of a socioeconomic divide between the families. But this is just a stupid question, but could it have really been that just Mr. Kim had a distinct old man smell about him? Because we all know sort of old men can be sort of smelly go ahead <laughs> uh well i've got to throw in some context here uh especially since there was a, a when they're talking about his smell uh i think it's it's mr mr park who mentions like he smells like the subway you know like, they're like right yeah subway. so you know we i would ride the subway all the time like every day I would ride it and there is a distinct smell from kind of the <laughs> older Korean men that it's very, I mean, it's straight from like kimchi and like, <laughs> I mean, it is, I mean, it is yeah. It's just like, and like, I mean, I know when I would eat like a bunch of like very Korean based foods, like I would, I would, I think I would reek of it sometimes. It's a very, uh, and also you mix in like soju and all like some of the Korean liquors and it creates a very unique smell. And I just, I can only assume that's what they were talking about. I mean, they even say it by saying the subway comment, but, uh, Preston, Preston, did you I, I don't really remember the question because I remember that. Did you ever get hopped, Go up, ahead, on, hopped up on prune juice? <laughs> um, we were definitely given lots of prunes and persimmons also in the subway. Old, old women would just bring it to us and just be like, here, have that. Like, okay. <laughs> Keep you regular. Yeah. And, they, and as they like feel you up in a very charming way. Damn, how do I move to this place, Preston? <laughs> Korea is a magical, magical land. I, I love, love that country and love those people. <laughs> well, I don't think there's any way to sort of like top Preston's answer unless, uh, Rod, do you have something to add to I mean, that? Because those are, fa those are facts. And really, yeah. Well, he basically gave us that a certain type of diet leads to a certain type of BO, and it was 100% truthful in the film. So we can't really top that unless you got a, a sweet joke or a Ben Shapiro <laughs> facts don't care about your feelings type of thing joe oh god <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah well uh we'll, we'll, we'll edit that out anyways so, so we're gonna move on we're gonna do our final rankings for this movie i think it's gonna get a little bit better rankings than the previous one last days of american crime which was our i think our lowest rated movie of all time so we do, we're we do all movies people uh yeah we do all sorts of stuff uh so we're gonna do 
like we did last time, break it down to categories, acting, plot, characters, and music, each one out of 25. We'll let Preston start, then Joe, then Rod, then me. Preston, acting first out of 25. What's your, what's your, what's your score? Uh, that would be a 25 for me. Oh, dude. I mean, clearly biased, but go ahead. Joe. <laughs> I'm going to go 21. Ooh. This is almost like, Rod, what do you think? 23. 23? It, got a little, it could have been a little MJ. bit Korean soap opera at times, you know, for me. No. There was nothing wrong with it. There was nothing wrong with it. I'm going to be a 22. I, I thought, I mean, I, I was, it was great. I can't really nitpick anything, but sometimes I just sort of, like any times, any movie, you can sort of kind of roll your eyes at certain moments. I don't have any particular one that I can remember at the time, but I was just definitely worth some moments. But go ahead, Preston. Plot out of 25. Uh, plots. So kind of bringing up some things we brought up earlier uh, about like maybe wanting a little bit more backstory or like, you know, a lot, a lot of that stuff's really nitpicking because this is such a great film. Uh, you know, it, it's just, I, I would, I'm giving it a 24, I think like, it, it it could hover around there either way, but Joe, you know. oh, 25. Yeah. I must say 24 too. It was, it was impressive. Uh, I've never even seen a film anywhere like this. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to say unique. That's what I was looking what at. What do you think, Rod? 23. 23. I, I don't agree. I, I, the only thing I thought that could have made this film just in terms of plot wise, in terms of foreshadowing a little bit better, it's kind of what we talked about earlier, but that's just my own personal gripe is that, I would have liked to seen the she's a world-class forger thing have one more different angle than helping him get a job. I, I, that's the only thing I really was kind of like, oh, I thought, like, I thought they were going to like forge new identities, but maybe that's just my own stupid take on it or whatever. But I still, I still thought it was fantastic because everything did, other than that, everything else really, really did come together in terms of in that final scene, the way they, yeah. crafted, the way they crafted the movie, every single thing they built into it came to fruition so you can't really complain about it. so i'm giving it a 24 that was the only thing i did not like was i really i thought because like i said they're trying to sort of do something i thought they could have used that talent to sort of in some ways with the plot yeah. okay characters go with you preston i i mean just to add on that i mean i would have been fine for 20 more minutes <laughs> yeah it's a it's such a fun entertaining movie yeah uh, characters yeah i mean for me this is in line with the acting 25 i thought it was like very believable how the families like interacted uh with each other and with like the other family especially the kim family i, I just thought it was really cool how they were were like they're all like friends in a way and it, it was just very entertaining as they went about each uh diabolical plan uh they're certainly believable characters that's for sure joe what'd you think yeah, yeah i'm with preston on this one i was very impressed um i thought, thought the characters i thought the, the family dynamics were very uh, interesting in this film so you're giving it 25 as well? Yep. Rod, what do you think about the characters? I think they were spot on. Um, 25. Yep. Uh, again, I'm, I'm super into this. Uh, I, do, I do wonder, again, how much they could have developed maybe the, the kids a little bit more. But then again, they are kids, and they're not really the focus of the family. They did develop the kids from the Kim family. Don't get me wrong, that was sort of sure. the best ones or whatever. But the other little kids maybe could have been a little bit more different and had maybe a little bit more texture to yeah. them. But uh, th those, are, th song. those are super, super nitpicky complaints. There's nothing really to complain about other than, oh, man, I wish I would have known more. But so it was, I'm giving it 23. Uh, I mean, great stuff. But like I said, if there was 
if I'm going to have to explain myself why Noctage is a little bit, that's the only thing. Music, not a huge focal point in this, but then again, that's not a big deal because it may be what's supposed to be. What do you think, Preston, in terms of music? I think it was definitely supposed to be. Uh, oh, okay. I think, <laughs> kind of, uh, I think it, in a way it plays uh, like a, another character in this film. I mean, if, especially like, and I wouldn't have necessarily noticed this the first time I watched it. I mean, I did, but the second time, it was even more like, like apparent to me that like as as each like twist and turn happened in the film as it goes from these different tones different genres the music goes right along with it like the beginning opening scene with just that piano score is very like uplifting and it's like kind of curious and whimsical you know and then as as you get to you know these, as you get to these other points in the movie like it starts to give you that sense of uncertainty you're still curious, but you're also kind of like, all right, what's going on here? Like, is this where are things changing in the music as well as like the acting, of course, kind of tr takes you there. You know, I'm, I'm going to say this just before we move on, whatever, but because this movie is, uh, it's not hard to follow, but anything in terms of like that has subtitles or whatever, maybe when you're watching it with me, who this is the first time I'd seen it or whatever. So I'm watching it and I have to really pay attention to one thing and focus on it, what they're saying maybe it did i i, I can almost honestly say I, I didn't even notice the music in some sense because i was so focused on the words they were saying because i didn't want to miss anything yeah. out so this is like you know go ahead and give your i'm sorry i was just sort of maybe justifying why i almost said my previous comment but go ahead press i'm sorry uh i'm i'm, I'm giving it a 24 i mean Kind this is, all, this is going to be Preston's highest rated movie of all time on the Cinema Syndicate podcast. I think so. This is a 98 for Preston. Joe. So far, for sure. Yeah. Joe, what do you think? Uh, Matthew, I'm going to agree with you on this. I'm going to give it a 20 be simply because, you know, it's not a, a French or, you know, Italian or any of those other romance languages where you maybe can pick up every third or fourth word. <laughs> and you can pay attention to other things so, literally having to read the subtitles the entire time it's hard it was hard for me to um hone in on the score so, yeah so maybe if we watch it are, twice you're giving it a lower score because you simply just you i, I, did, I didn't notice this i didn't notice. i didn't notice it like it was a quentin tarantino film if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has a much uh, lighter touch to it. I, obviously, I would suggest watching again and then listening how the music really like plays. It's an role. understated score for sure. Rod, what do you yeah. think? <laughs> I give it a 20 because... I, 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 was, I was just kidding. Go ahead, sorry. It, uh, I'm going to add this out. I thought you were saying like 20 and like you were like pausing, like you were deciding 21, 22. I thought, I'm sorry, uh, my bad. I, that was my my misinterpretation of what you said i'll i'll take all this out but go ahead so rod what do you think about the music go for it um i'm gonna give it a 22 okay <laughs> are, there any are, are there any specific moments where like you thought like the music sort of matched the tension in the movie or de-escalated the tension in the movie or sort of what what did you think in terms of how to, it really affected it to be honest i didn't notice any music <laughs> like <laughs> Not but I don't think there note. was I don't think there was any um I don't think there was a soundtrack if I'm using that correctly, but I yeah. think there was a score. Absolutely. Know, like there was yes. an orchestra, Ooh. which yeah, they did a uh they We're did a very fucking, baby. good job. I mean <laughs> they all they almost made, you know, the, the the scene that we I think is everyone's favorite scene, that is putting the uh kimchi sauce onto the hanky <laughs> in the trash can. That was like very ominous yet funny. 
Yeah. Yeah. If I remember it's, 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 it's yeah, comedy, yeah. The well, music so, is so playful. It's just it's perfect. Like definitely well, I, go back and, and listen when you watch again. I think you I really, think that's a good it. point though, is maybe a score is sort of something I, I don't want to say you shouldn't notice, but it's almost something that if you do notice it in some points, it's being too distracting for what's going on. But maybe like it just sort of hugged you like a like a little like soft blanket well, or whatever. Yeah. And sort of I lets bet, you go. I bet you it know? was affect, affecting you as you watched. The yeah. Film. Even, it's definitely about emotional turns. And I, you probably didn't even notice it. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like it, I think in terms of like a, the orchestral score or whatever, it's not like Star Wars was like dun 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 dun, dun like a lightning motif or yeah. whatever. But I think it's sort of sort of it it ambled along with the story is what I'm probably thinking because it wasn't something that sort of I was consciously going oh man this is great but I right. definitely would have noticed if it wasn't there. So sure. maybe it did its job in terms of being completely and totally subtle, but also sort of playing in the moments where it needed to be played the most. So. <clears throat> That's that's what I was getting at beforehand because I yeah. I, was, I was sort of struggling when I uh, wrote these like uh, categories down. I was like, oh shit, I didn't even really recognize the music. But if I would have actually sort of, I, I know it was there. So in a sense, I, I love the movie. So in a sense, I I can't give it a bad score. So I'm going to give it a 22, even though I'm going to go back and probably rewatch it and see when the music really happens I mean, whatever listen, you can listen to it too on like Spotify. I was listening to it earlier to kind of remind myself. I was like, damn. Shit's kind of, I mean, I don't know why it was like haunting almost. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So that's going to be the end of uh, our review of Parasite. And then so next week, what we're going to do, we're going to have a guest friend on who we've already actually done one with, but we forgot to press the record button because that was my <laughs> fault. But we're going to have a friend on and we're going to do The Rock with Sean Connery and Nick Cage. This will be our first Nick Cage movie, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> so, what have we been doing? I know. We can't even call ourselves a film review podcast until we've done a Nick Cage movie. So that's fantastic. So uh, we're not holding out for the uh, <laughs> Joe Exotic remake. Or the... I, we'll see what happens with that. I guess I, that, I feel like they were all trying to like capitalize on the moment. And then now that it's sort of died down that it probably won't even happen is my guess. I don't know. Do you oh, think it will happen? Yeah, think it'll that's happen? a good point. Uh, I mean... I mean, they said it would. Why would they just, I, I guess. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that like, it, it's something that sort of goes viral in a sense. And then you realize that people, it, it won't keep each person's attention for more than a month. So why even make the movie? Like, do you yeah. really want to spend a hundred million dollars making on something that maybe people aren't incredibly caring about? Like they didn't make a Steve Avery movie about how to make a murderer, um, which was I feel like just as popular. All right, so that's yeah. gonna be it. Anybody want to like sign off? I feel like Rod's he's gonna he's gonna keep on budding after this podcast. It feels like, or what do you think, Rod? <laughs> I'm actually gonna put on um, the score to um, <laughs> Parasite and maybe do some cleaning. <laughs> that's a great idea. I think you'll have a good time for sure. So but Rod, definitely keep on budding and keep on cleaning because we want everyone to have great hygiene not get to keep your houses clean folks <laughs> that's all well you that's don't the... want a parasite <laughs> that water don't want anybody infiltrating your home all right thanks guys i appreciate it